0: Welcome back to another episode of Sidia Desert. I'm Father David Abernethy. and We're continuing with our reading from the writings of the Philokalia, in particular, writings on the prayer of the heart. And over the past few months, we've been studying the writings of St. Hezekiah of Jerusalem on sobriety and unceasing prayer. And we're currently picking up with paragraph number 63 on page 292, if you're following along in the text here that Hezekiah will begin to lay out for us the virtue of humility, how it is hard won, how it is to be procured in the first place, and how important it is to the maintenance of all the other virtues. One could say that it is the mother of virtues and that it perfects them all. And so we pick up, as I said, again on paragraph number 63. He begins by saying, the treasure of humility, since it is elevating and loved of God, and destructive of all those things in us which are evil and hated by God, is therefore hard to win. You may perhaps easily find in a man the partial working of many other virtues, but if you search for the odor of humility in him, you will hardly find it. Hence there is a need of great zeal and efforts in order to obtain this treasure. So even though a man might be highly esteemed, have obtained many of the virtues, he might not necessarily have the virtue of humility and so still be capable of a great fall in the spiritual life, that it is only humility that can perfect all of the other virtues. And when it is lacking, uh, there's also something lacking in the virtues that even have already been obtained. The lack of humility makes us resemble, not God, but the devil himself. And so Hezekiah continues by writing, And the scriptures speak of the devil as unclean, since from the beginning he rejected this good treasure of humility and love-pride. Wherefore he is called an unclean spirit in the scriptures. For what bodily uncleanness could be wrought by a being who is immaterial and has neither body, flesh, nor limbs, that for that reason he should be called unclean? It is plain that he is called unclean because of pride. And from being a pure and bright angel, he, became, he came to be named evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. This is from Proverbs 16. For it is said that pride is the beginning of sin. I know not the Lord, said Pharaoh, neither will I let Israel go. Thus spoke a proud man. So pride is not of the uh, nature of our appetites. It doesn't arise out of our appetites or our passions, but rather is of a more spiritual nature. And so when we fall into pride, we imitate the evil one himself. It's not so much uncleanness in body or our appetites, but rather uh, an uncleanness in our mind that makes us seek to make ourselves equal to God and rejecting of his will. And so we become also like Pharaoh in the Old Testament. Now, uh, Humility can remain something of an enigma in this spiritual life. And often the question is put to us, how is humility to be procured? How do we actually grow in humility then? And so this is where uh, Hezekiah picks up in the next paragraph. He writes, There are many activities of the mind which can procure for us the good gift of humility if we are not unmindful of our salvation. There is the remembrance of our sins in word, deed, or thought, and the remembrance of many other things great, that greatly contributes to humility when they are revised in the mind. And true humility is created also by this, by a man's revolving every day in his own mind the virtues of his neighbors and extolling their own natural qualities, comparing their qualities to his own. And so when the mind sees its own worthlessness and how far it falls short of the perfection of others, a man naturally starts counting himself as dust and ashes and not a man, but a dog as though in all respects he comes behind all rational beings on earth, is more poor and empty. And so we keep in our minds, first and foremost, the virtues of others. We look to the virtues of Christ, of course, but also to the virtues of our neighbors. We see how far we fall short of those in our own life. And we also remind ourselves daily of our past failings so that we see ourselves In the light of truth, that we are never tempted to see ourselves as more virtuous than than we are, that we see that we are fallen beings and that we have often come from a state that is very far short of the gospel. This being true then, we must compel ourselves, if you will, force ourselves to daily examine ourselves and our consciences. And so Hezekiah writes, It is said by the pillar of the church, our great father Basil, the mouth of Christ, it is a great help towards not sinning and not falling into the same sins on the following day. If at the end of the day we judge ourselves in our conscience, as far as we can, that we can have done wrong and what we have done right. This also Job did on behalf of himself and his children. For this daily examination throws light on what happens every hour, teaches us to examine ourselves hourly in order to see every hour how to act rightly. And so this is no light discipline to hourly as well as daily examine our actions to see how they are in conformity with those of Christ and to examine them in light of the virtue that he's called us to. Uh, this kind of discipline only can develop over the course of years where we gradually begin to take, take it up to look at ourselves more honestly in the light of the truth. It's not an easy thing for us to do by any means. We typically would want to hide from the truth and to silence our conscience, whereas Hezekiah is telling us here to allow it to take the lead for us and in fact be that which guides us at every hour of our life. This kind of attentiveness to our conscience only arises out of developing a rather simple life where we embrace abstinence in many different forms. We keep our, our life simple uh, in the food that we give us, in the material goods that we have, as well as keep a mind, uh, an eye on our mind constantly throughout the day as well. And so in paragraph 66, Hezekiah writes, and another of those who are wise in divine things has said, the beginning of fruit bearing is the flower, and the beginning of the active life is abstinence. Let us then practice abstinence, and this by measure and weight as the fathers teach. And so the very beginning of this pursuit of humility for us must be first humbling the body through abstinence. We begin to control our appetites in every way. He then tells us, And let us pass the whole day of twelve hours in guarding the mind. For with God's help we do this with a certain forcing of ourselves. We shall be able to quench and diminish wickedness in us, since the virtuous life through which the kingdom of heaven is given must be won by forcing ourselves. Not a popular idea in the contemporary mindset, that we would engage in the spiritual life in such a way that it would require uh, a certain level of force on our part. There are certain things that we are not simply going to want to do, to get up early in the morning for prayer, to control our appetites, to restrain them in great measure as the Desert Fathers did. Uh, Again, keeping to a simple life in regards to food and material Good. and then watching the mind throughout the course of our waking hours and maintaining that, uh, that discipline with a vigilance uh, that is not easy to obtain. There are many times out of fatigue that we are going to want to step away from it and it is here that we are told that we must again force ourselves to embrace the discipline. With this fundamental virtue in mind we will continue to pursue the path of passionlessness that Hezekiah will discuss in the coming paragraphs. Uh, that's all for this week, and I look forward to seeing you soon.